Good morning. Today's Sunday School lesson is found in chapter 4 of Ephesians, verses 1 through 16. The lesson is titled, Unity in the Body of Christ. The keep in mind verses for the lesson, there is one body and one spirit, and God called you to have one hope. There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Ephesians 4, 4 through 5, New Century Version. Let us pray. Father God, we come this morning thanking you for all that you do and have done for us. We thank you for another opportunity to study your word. Father, we ask that you bless all who hears your word today and let them know that you are there with them in the midst of their struggles. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now some background for today's lesson. When we become discouraged in our churches of today, it helps to remember what it was like for the first century Christians back when the church began. In pagan Ephesus, few people knew anything about Jesus Christ, even less about who or what a Christian was. It was important for members of the church to stand together as one representing God to the world. In previous portions of Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, he laid the foundation about Christ and his church. Now he switches his focus to more practical purposes, setting out guidelines for his leaders concerning Christian conduct. But first he decides to give them an overview of the church's place in the world. Paul called for the Ephesians to be true to who they are called to be in Christ and noted a number of truths for them to embrace. One, it's their responsibility to be one in, in the body. Two, the call for unity does not mean that they should strive for a type of dull sameness. Three, the church is a living organism made up of living beings who are expected to grow according to their use of the gifts Christ has given them. Four, Christ desires the church to reach maturity and that the people of the church be prepared to exercise their gifts. And five, as the church grows, its members should take on the nature and character of the head, Jesus Christ. As we get into the lesson, it has been divided into three sections, and they are titled as follows. One, the church's calling to unity, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Two, the church's gift, Ephesians 4, 7 through 12. Three, the road to maturity, Ephesians 4, 13 through 16. Verses 1 through 6 of the lesson reads as follows from the New Century Version. I am in prison because I belong to the Lord. Therefore, I urge you who have been chosen by God to live up to the life to which God called you. Always be humble, gentle, and patient, accepting each other in love. You are joined together with peace through the Spirit, so make every effort to continue together in this way. There is one body and one Spirit, and God called you to have one hope. There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There is one God and Father of everything. He rules everything and is everywhere and is everything. Now we will look at the church's calling to unity. Paul encourages the believers to live a life worthy of their calling and don't worry about the other person. In the first two verses, Paul lists four conditions that should characterize our relationship 
in the family of God. We should be humble, gentle, patient, and accept each other in love. Paul considered himself a prisoner for the Lord as well as one who belongs to the Lord. Paul wrote this letter from prison. He had been arrested for following Jesus' words and declaring him as his Lord and Savior and was teaching others about Jesus. In chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul begins to teach how true believers in Jesus should live. Jesus calls his followers to live every day in a way that would honor him and show that he was truly their Lord. By suffering in prison, Paul was paying the price of honoring Jesus, so he had credibility when he wrote to the Ephesians. Always positioning himself as an example, he issued a plea to the Ephesians Christians to walk and live a life in a manner that is consistent with the calling from God. The Christian's call is to divine summons that was answered in the time of conversion. Our calling is not a hobby or a pastime. It is our job. The, wor the word walk is a literal translation of Hebrew expression for everyday conduct. The word worthy makes the connection between God's plan for us and our acceptance of that plan as demonstrated in the way we live. Paul had previously cautioned against boasting concerning good works. Now he advises them to live out their calling with humility. He did not want them to become arrogant about their godly living. They were also to exercise patience toward the faults and failings of others and among those with different personality types and temperaments. We are to truly have patience for one another with love. The reason for possessing these qualities, lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing is for unity within the body of Christ. When Christ established the church, he abolished the greatest dividing line within humanity, the barrier that separates Jews and Gentiles. Now it was the responsibility of the early church members to try with all seriousness to avoid creating human division among God's people. Arguments and dissension threaten to destroy the bonds of peace within the body of Christ. There is but one spirit in the church. Nothing can destroy that unity. However, bickering and quarrels can destroy the peace that binds the members of the body of Christ. A healthy formula for keeping the unity in those things that are essential to the faith. Liberty in those matters are non-essential or not absolute and love in all circumstances. We have the same responsibility as the early church members of keeping unity in the church. In spite of the huge number of Christian churches worldwide, there is only one body of believers. The same spirit who dwells in every believer also dwells in the body of Christ. There is but one hope in which every believer has placed his or her trust. One Lord is the Savior who sheds his blood for our sins. We shall share a common faith in that one Lord and Savior. There is one baptism by which we profess our faith in Christ. The one God and Father is, is supreme above all. Verses 7 through 12. Christ gave each one of us the special gift of grace, showing how generous he is. 
That is why it says in the scriptures, when he went up to the heights, he led a parade of captives and he gave gifts to people. When it said he went up, what does it mean? It means that he first came down to, to the earth. So Jesus came down and he is the same one who went up above all the heavens. Christ did that, that to fill everything with his presence. And Christ gave gifts to people. He made some to be apostles, some to be prophets, and some to go and tell the good news, and some to have the works of caring for the teaching God's people. Christ gave those gifts to prepare God's holy people for the work of serving to make the body of Christ stronger. The church's gift, the unity of the church, must be balanced by its odd twin diversity. Unity is often confused with uniformity. The Christian church is communal. Every member makes a contribution. Each member of the body of Christ has been given grace and a particular gift or role to fulfill. Each Christian has one or more gifts. Although these gifts are universal, they are not identical. In his understanding, Jesus gives the most suitable and appropriate gift to each individual Christian, preparing him or her for service. No member should try to imitate the gifts of others. In other letters, Paul outlines the necessity for giving equal value to the gifts of every believer. By his grace, he has given these gifts as he sees fit. The risen Lord bestowed these gifts by first spent sending his most excellent gift, the Holy Spirit. In verse 8, Paul quotes Psalm 68, 18 as a prophecy that the Messiah would ascend to heaven and lead a parade of captives. As a reward for his victory, he would receive gifts for mankind. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6 states, there are different kinds of gifts, but they are all from the same spirit. They, there are different ways to serve, but the same Lord to serve. And there are different ways that God works through people, but the same God. God works in all of us in everything we do. In Ephesians 4, 9, Paul wanted to show that, show that the prophecy referred only to Christ. If Jesus ascended into heaven, he must have first come down from heaven. Paul and others understood lower parts of the earth to mean that Christ descended into hell. The Gospel of Luke, however, indicates that his spirit went to heaven when he died. Luke 23, 43, and 46. The prophecy of Psalm 68, 18 was fulfilled by the birth, death, and the burial of Jesus. The ascended Christ is the giver of all gifts and the source of all blessings. He filled all things in giving us gifts. Christ had a specific purpose in sight. All of God's saints are to be equipped with the gifts necessary to discharge their duties in the world. In Ephesians 4.11, Paul proceeds to explain the nature of some of these gifts of grace. Apostles were those persons directly commissioned by the Lord to preach the word and plant churches. They, they were those who had seen the risen Christ. Prophets were the mouthpieces for God. They received revelation directly from the Lord by the aid of the Holy Spirit and pass them on to the church. Evangelists are those who preach God, 
the good news. They have divinely equipped to go out into the and lead persons to Christ. Pastors are those who serve as God's under shepherd, caring for the sheep of his flock. Is is their it is their responsibility to guide and feed the flock. Teachers are persons divinely gifted to teach and explain the Bible and what it means. A Bible teacher tries to connect God's word into everyday life. The purpose of these gifts is for leaders to equip the saints so that all are prepared for the work of the ministry and ultimately for the edifying of the body of Christ. These gifts should always be used to empower others to do even greater deeds for the sake of the kingdom. Each of us have both responsibility and the opportunity to use our abilities to do God's work. Verses 13 through 16. This work must continue until we are all joined together in the same faith and in the same knowledge of the Son of God. We must become like a mature person growing until we become like Christ and have his perfection. Then we will no longer be babies. We will not be tossed about like a ship that the waves carry one way and then another. We will not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to fool us. They make plans and try any kind of trick to fool people into following the wrong path. No, speaking the truth with love, we will grow up in every way into Christ who is the head. The whole body depends on Christ and all the parts of the body are joined and held together. Each part does its own work to make the whole body grow and be strong with love. The road to maturity. At this point, Paul may have anticipated the question, how long will this process of growing continue? In verse 13, Paul explains that this will go on until all of us come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Little can prepare the mind for the unity that exists in the afterlife. As long as we live, no matter how hard we try, we will have innumerable differences. This will continue until we are able to see him as he truly is and know as we are known. At that time, the unity of the faith will occur. Until then, there will be room for growth. When we obtain full knowledge, we enter the state of perfect man. The word perfect used in the King James Version is translated complete. Our Christian journey is done when we come to the place of full knowledge of Christ and unity of our faith. Verses 14 and 15 describes the growth process in the body of Christ. As we come towards spiritual maturity, some things will become apparent. We must no longer be like children, tossed back and forth, carried about by every kind of doctrine. As we grow to be more like him, we grow in our knowledge of him. Our understanding will be solid and sure. No one can then persuade us to change our beliefs. All disciples are called upon to grow. Discipleship is a process. It is not a course of study from which will earn us a diploma and never revisit again. There is always room for growth, for training, for new understanding, and for enlightenment. As we grow in Christ, so do our challenges. The longer we live, if we are achieving spiritual maturity, we learn to lean on him more, trusting him more fully in his promise and his wisdom. 
when we encounter brothers and sisters who have gone astray in their thinking and beliefs, we are commanded to speak the, tr the truth in love, helping each other to grow toward the head, which is Christ Jesus. He is both the goal of our growth and the source of our growth. As the church receives its life from him, who supplies all our needs, quite naturally growth comes from him. But Paul adds that the church grows toward Christ as we individuals grow in Christ. In closing, we see from today's lesson that we should be building up the church by increasing unity, knowledge, and maturity. In 1 Corinthians 12, 14 to 19, it talks about our human bodies having many members, feet, hand, eyes, ears, nose, and each of these members being necessary to the welfare of the body. Likewise, each member of the church is important to the church, which is the spiritual body of Christ. So it is important for us to respect each individual member of the body of Christ. We need to make sure that each member is allowed to contribute according to their gifts and that the different gifts they have are fitted together to serve the church as a whole. The church cannot grow strong if the individual members are not working together. The only way we can make the church stronger is by doing it with love. Love makes it possible for us to avoid being selfish and disagreeable. Now let us close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for choosing us to be a part of your family. Father God, we thank you for this time that was spent studying your word. Now as we conclude, we ask a blessing on all who hear your word today, Father, and ask for continued blessings on all the sick and bereaved. Lift up those who don't know you, touch their hearts so they will ask, what must I do to be saved? We give you all the honor and praises you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat>